there was a lot of KFOs down there. And we had read all about them, and we were going down there to support the... I don't we know, don't know what we were there Yeah, we actually support. didn't really know. For anybody that thinks a farmer's market is just a gathering of a bunch of tents and people, and you, know, you can just throw that together in a week, try it. Give that a whirl. <laughs> <laughs> we know how it works. Man, if you can't afford a $10 bag of produce that's going to feed your family of three for a week, I don't know what you're used to eating. And he said it's no longer a movement. It's now a local food revolution. And I think he's right. I mean, shopping local is huge. I think it's surpassing organic. The organic movement was a lot of people that were conscious and aware of eating good food. But now I think the goal is to support your community. Welcome to this edition of Edible Economy. I'm your host, Nate. And I'm Kim. And we are here to talk all things local food, local businesses, food technology. What are some other fun things you think we should talk about? Economy. Local economy, maybe. <laughs> how to start a business, how to follow your dreams, how to make it happen. Some of the fav your favorite products and stuff you can get from your farmer's markets, from your local grocery stores. Just all things that we talk about on a daily basis with ourselves and with the people that we work with throughout the local food industry, from farming to business incubation to farmer's markets and so many more things in between. This episode, we want to share with you who we are, why we're, we're here. We're the MUDs. We are the MUDs. And and what, what we want to talk about and why you should listen. And without further ado, let's jump right in. Kim, do you want to start with why we decided to do a podcast? Nate wants to be internet famous. So here I am <laughs> sitting with him doing a podcast. You're my partner in crime <laughs> so in everything we do. Enjoy the show. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you want me to answer that question? Yeah, that it's your deal. <laughs> I'm really excited to do a podcast. We have a, a good friend and neighbor who uh, approached us and said, hey, guys, have you ever thought about these? And the answer is yes, we think about them quite often. And we felt like we had a story to share, and we share our story a lot. A lot of people find it interesting, inspiring, and we like to keep doing that. And this is just another platform for us to get out there and, and introduce people, the next generation of, I don't like the term foodies, so local food people, local entrepreneurs, people that are vested and interested in seeing a healthy, sustainable, local economy. Now, our path to get here started in college. It started in college. Kim used to used to help me out doing my uh, doing some homework for me in some <laughs> classes. It was supposed to be a two-way street, wasn't it? <laughs> but yeah, Kim and I met. Uh, we met at the University of Kentucky. Go, go Wildcats. Go Big Blue. That's right. <laughs> um, and we had we had other friends that were they were outdoorsy they loved to go camping they loved to do things that were outdoorsy and so do we but that was where i was introduced to it it wasn't that maybe you already had the love i loved to ski and i loved sure. to hunt 
but right i didn't know about local economy i knew about food and farming but not how it impacts your community right and i didn't i didn't really have a passion for to helping keep the environment safe or making the environment something that will be around in 300 years, you know, for our kids, grandkids, grandkids. So that's what college is for. I guess, I guess that is one of the things that college is for. And um, through that, we, we started to do some backcountry camping um, and take some environmental classes together. Remember we took yep. environmental sciences. That was the class I was just referring to I a couple know. minutes ago. And um, it was it was good. Uh, we we learned a lot. And our first experience with CAFOs came from that environmental class. We went down. What's to a CAFO? A confined animal feeding operation. Okay, and still, what's a CAFO? A confined animal. No, I hear the words. What what that means is a whole bunch of animals put in a really small area. Yes. Like 25,000 chickens in a in a small barn, not small. Or not even that. No, just like a chicken in a cage, it never walks or moves. Or yeah. a pig with a metal cage around it its whole life. Yeah, and they don't really get outside. And what we went down to, I can't remember the name of the city, but it was in western Kentucky and there was a lot of CAFOs down there. Yep. And we went down there. Chicken CAFOs. Chicken CAFOs. Mm -hmm. And we had read all about them. And we were going down there to support the, I don't know. We don't know what we were there Yeah, we actually didn't really know. But But, it was our first taste of activism. Yeah. And it it was really interesting. It really was interesting. So a big chicken company was coming in and all the, the community was against it for multiple reasons. Smell, waste. And when you say the community, you mean the non-farming community. Because remember, when we sat down, it was us with some activists on one side and a few members of the community. And then the whole, and there was, it was sparsely populated on our side. And then the whole other side was farmers that were against any regulations or against anybody that was against CAFOs. And if you don't know what CAFOs are, oh, wow. They are some of the smelliest, nastiest things. Um, but, hey, they do they do give us a lot of cheap animal, uh, cheap proteins and things like that. But there is a smell that comes from them. And one of the largest environmental disasters in the history of uh, the United States, especially in the southeast United States, happened all surrounding a CAFO. There was a flood. And it uh, it broke the dam for some slurry ponds, and these slurry ponds were they literally held pig waste, and then they went into the streams and so on and so forth. And so that's that's what took us down there, and that's what gave us our first taste of kind of where environment meets food. Yeah. And it was uh, it was it was eye opening. It was eye opening. And it created a passion in us. And from there, we learned how you combined also not only that but local economy. Exactly. And we're bringing all of those things together. We didn't quite know what we were doing in life yet, but we we were we were starting to form the the base for the rest of of what we would do. But we still had no idea that we would ever be in local food. No. Right? No. 
even when we started reading more books, it wasn't about local food at that point. It was still right. kind of more just about environment. Environment. Right. Yep. And then um, we moved. We... Well, and we were introduced to Wendell Berry. Right. Okay. So this is this is actually a really neat story, and this is this is where the local economy aspect of it comes in. I was uh, I don't even remember probably twenty twenty one, and I was I went on a history tour of Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee, and North Carolina with uh with my stepdad and we went uh all over saw all kinds of neat historical artifacts we saw um from the from the revolutionary war from the civil war and it was it was pretty interesting i i i liked it but on the way back he said well we've got we've got just one more stop and i'm from louisville kentucky and so we were getting close to home. We were about an hour, hour and a half away. And he said, we just got one more stop. So we drove, we drove down this, down a path and came to a, a small country home and went inside and Wendell Berry's daughter, I still didn't know where we were. Wendell Berry's daughter came and said, oh, Wendell will be with you in just a few minutes. And I looked at my dad and I was like, wait, who, wait, I've heard of this guy before. And then we sat down and listened to Wendell Berry and got to meet him. And man, that guy can inspire passion in you almost instantaneously without even trying. That led to local economy. And that's one of the greatest quotes that you and I, Kimberly, that we live by is think locally, act locally. Notice that's not think globally, act locally. He says, no, to heck with that. Think locally and act locally. Because if you can't solve your local problems and issues, then you don't need to be... You, your issues are, are more localized than you think. Make your healthy uh, environment and your healthy economy of your, local, of your locale, make that thrive. And then others can be an example for you. And so that's been something that stuck with us. So what did that lead us to? So what, what did that lead us to? We moved to Denver after yep. school for more school. <laughs> and um, Two more rounds. Two more rounds. Yeah. <laughs> and um, somewhere in there, this is like the butterfly effect. We bought this house in the small town that was in between um, where Nate was going to school and I was going to work every day. And met our neighbor who's currently producing this show and met a woman that lives behind us who told Nate where to um, do an internship for his law practice. And from there, we met all these people in our community and, and one day asked, how come our cool little town doesn't have a farmer's market what's like why what's going on who's not doing it and they directed us to the historic society or the historic um old association town. yeah the shopping association yep. merchant association who just want who wanted a farmer's market but didn't have the time to do one but um they said they would help us get it started if we could and there from there on we had our side hustle also known <laughs> as farmer's market so we were still doing our stuff during the week and we started a farmer's market in our town 10 years ago now and um that that has just grown so and it was the meeting place in the middle 
of local economy and environment. And we that's where we discovered that local food was a way was a vehicle for us to help the the environment as, at large. And everybody eats. It is. And there's, you know, your how many miles has your your food traveled, what, what what goes into your food, and that can go into water, so on and so forth. And, and that you need to be healthy, too. So Right. Yeah. So For the individual and the health, earth. Yeah. Yes. And that, that was the intersection. That's where it all began. And then there was more farmer's markets, and there was more farmer's markets, and there was too many farmer's markets. We would run farmer's markets on weekends and weekdays. And heck, we even ran one in a different state. And that was that was fun. It was challenging. Yeah. <laughs> and we, for anybody that thinks um, a farmer's market is just a gathering of a bunch of tents and people, and you, know, you could just throw that together in a week, um, try it. Give that a whirl. <laughs> <laughs> we know how it works. And we're, we're going to do uh, a podcast about running farmers markets and being a part of farmers markets and we'll get into that in more detail right and then we'll have we'll have lots of people come on and talk about talk about it how did they get into it and and so on and so forth but um yeah and then that was we were doing five a week at one point and that was too much still working full-time oh yeah and still working full-time as a lawyer and an accountant so being entrepreneurs is it doesn't start easy (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it ever ends either no it's just all about passion and uh we we're super pumped that we found our passion or our passion found us too it was just the perfect inner intersection of that so then that led us to other entrepreneurial endeavors. Uh, we started a organic t-shirt company. Um, I think we even talked to our neighbor about that at one point too, didn't we? Probably. And then uh, a and then, solar a, energy company. A solar, yeah. Before before Obama was elected, we we saw the writing on the wall and said, "Man, you know this this could be great. Look at it. We, I bet you a lot of money is going to go into solar." Um, and then there's been, there's been, oh, wow, there was a smoothie company. There was a smoothie company in there. Wow, that was great, wasn't it? That was <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the smoothie company. And I think it lasted three weeks. Yeah. Um, and we sold out every single day. But by the end, <laughs> we were smiling and then turning around being like, oh, my God, why are we doing this? And then yeah. the bees were swarming and it was hot and you're. So that one didn't quite work out, but so it, kudos to the people that still do that, right? And we, you know, we could still use a, a smoothie vendor at, at any of our uh, functions, events, markets. What? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, and then there's there. So the farmers markets have been a success. Um, and then we started an online platform to oh, yeah. purchase local food, which is still cool. It's hard for me to call that a failure. <laughs> well. None of none of them were failures. They were all just uh-huh. stepping stones. <laughs> yeah, sure. Learning experiences. Talk a little bit more about the uh, about the online farmers market. Talk about where that started yeah, because so a lot of people know about that. Really, and they know what we did. It's cool. Um, the farmers market. You know, the vendors they become a family pretty much all summer long and you and then the winter comes and you look forward to seeing them again in June and 
And as the organizers, um, you see this problem every June where some of them are just like coming in with a borrowed car, trying to make as much money as they can to buy themselves a new car or coming in, like trying to make money to go to the doctor. And so we saw this struggle of how do we help these small companies survive through the winter? And so that's where the online platform came, idea came from and trying to put their products online and create this drop-off place every week where people could still buy the shelf-stable items and basically everything but produce that's not grown in a greenhouse all year long. It was, yeah, it was cool. It was a lot more than just that, too. If you remember, it was for restaurants for pre-ordering, which everybody finds super commonplace then. But when we were going into coffee shops and restaurants, they laughed at us and said, nobody's ever going to pre-order right? their coffee. No one's ever going to buy. Why would I use this? Or no one's ever going to buy produce online. Yeah, or food. Nobody Yet, buy, Who's going to buy food now, online? All the biggest grocery stores do it. And it's the best time saver ever. Right. And Amazon is, you know, the king of the economy. Yeah, so everyone's doing it now. Right. <laughs> so yeah so there's it was a, a lesson great there. idea it, it was a great idea and there's a lesson i mean we we met an incredible group of people while we were doing that i mean it, it was it was a blast we got to we got to endeavor and, and play in the uh in the tech bubble for a while we did yeah i really liked that mm -hmm. uh, that was a good character we got to play then yeah. i think <laughs> and um but it, one of the big lessons is you know we were too early um, a lot of things that or we, we just heard. tried to go too big if we had just stayed with our little yeah, farmer's true. market and kept it small and not this giant platform we could have grown more organically yeah pardon so the pun maybe we'll still do it yeah maybe we will <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and, and there's but there was there was a lot of a, a lot of good lessons and a lot of uh, just education for us and how we conduct business and who we do business with and there's a, and those are some of the things that we want to talk about throughout the process of this show and throughout the life of this long long living company podcast that will that we hope that you'll become listeners for forever yes. with us and join us on this journey so um i have i have a, a list of some of the things that we want to talk about and one of them was uh, one of them was some of the the failures. So, what are some things that that you can think of? What are some things that what's our greatest our greatest failure? How about that? Do you do you know <laughs> of your greatest failure with this? I remember something that you talk about quite often. Oh, okay. Well, I have something in my head. So no, so, go. Okay, so I think the biggest failure is listening to t too much advice from other people and taking that to heart. Like you have to be all in. No one's going to take you seriously. If you're not just working on your company, you're never going to get funding. That, that was the worst advice. And if I had <laughs> known that from the beginning, yeah. um, we, we, probably be telling a different story you're nailing it on the head by the way i am okay yeah so sometimes you have to just go with your gut and know what 
what is going to be the best. I mean, usually if you're taking on some new business that you want to start, you're pretty knowledgeable about it already. So, so listen, listen to your head too. Don't, don't be easily persuaded by other people that have been successful, but maybe not in the same realm or not doing the same thing. They're not, they don't know it all. Beware of the pivot. Beware of the pivot. <laughs> we just got to pivot. Just one more pivot. We're almost there. <laughs> Stay true to what you're going to do. It, it's, I mean, it is, that's the best advice that I think we can give. And we now do give advice. We, we've had some great successes. We've had some fantastic failures. Um, and that's, let's let us, there's this saying that, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. And man, could that not be truer. I mean, we met our partner that we work with now in the midst of one of the failures from something else because he thought one of that one of the failures that we were well the the failure the the platform that you were talking about thought it was just a great fantastic and he wanted to meet the people who started that and that's that's where we met our partner now and i mean wow have have doors started open as we shut the and we made the conscious decision no we're shutting this down and we are we are going I I completely (laughs) well see pivot means that you keep your one foot in place sure we picked up our foot foot and walked yes and then uh and we went we went we really went back to our passion um we did yeah we got a little off track we did get a little off track and uh man that's led to some some really really cool things um one of the most recent cool things is the store start with the store yeah we call it the store it is a twenty nine thousand square foot local food store that our company helped do the community organizing and working with the city a city to get sales tax rebates for the store to make it a viable business to be able to open a local food store because food has such low margins that if you're not a big player it's with lots of stores it's hard to make a profit so with working with the community to show their support to the city the city um, gave the store sales tax rebates and right. that was a huge success for us and brought all a, strategic partners together all strategic partners found, together yeah helped you know we, we our partner is primarily the uh what does he call himself um with money the capital formation yeah he's a capital formation specialist yes um so he helped formulate capital and um then we we brought strategic partnerships together i mean from the state level this county level nonprofits, bigger businesses littler businesses and where there used to be nothing there is now a twenty nine thousand square foot local foods grocery store and to dive deeper into the local economy of that, not only was there nothing in this shopping center strip mall, um, there wasn't just not a big store. There was no little stores surrounding it either. Oh, right. And now the whole strip mall is almost full. With good stores. With, yeah, great stores to go to. So local economy at its best right there. Yeah, it was really, it's cool. and. We're we're no longer 
deeply involved with that because nope. we did what we came to do. We made a store happen where nothing existed before. That's going to help all these small businesses. That's right. our goal. And so now I'm going to list these off really quickly. What we're actually, what, what we do today. Um, we run a farm. We have an incubator and accelerator. We work with the FFA. We run farmers markets. Future farmers of America. Oh yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we're also working to open more stores, more local food centric stores that are more of an experience than just a grocery and shopping store. Yeah. And can you think of? I mean, we have some other really cool things, but they're well, not quite there yet. They're still in the incubation phase yeah, with we'll our body them. and brain. We'll talk about them. But they'll them they'll definitely soon. be here. Um. <laughs> I wanted, so you said farmer's markets. So now, you know, at one point we had five farmer's markets and now we've reeled that back and now we have two farmer's markets a week just on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. And we really tried doing them during the week as another outlet just to try and help these small businesses get more sales, but it wasn't wasn't really worth their time. So now we just focus on making two big, awesome markets on the weekends. Saturday in Westminster, Sunday in Arvada. And contrary to what a lot of people say, like, oh, farmers markets—they're just—they're so expensive, and I can't afford. Man, if you can't afford a ten-dollar bag of produce that's going to feed your family of three for a week, I mean, I don't know what—I don't know what you're used to eating. Um, if you can't afford organic raspberries for less than the price of conventional raspberries at the grocery store. I, I don't know what people were really looking for. Um, but having True. said that, that was really just a way for me to say we found a way to work with our vendors and farmers to help keep the prices down because we don't we don't like the ex- exorbitant prices. And we've been to the farmer's markets uh, where some of these same vendors sell for twice as much. They just don't do it at, at our markets. So um, – Let's dive into the farm. Yeah, let's talk about the farm. That's So that's where we live uh, in our brains, in our hearts. Not physically where we live, at least not right now. In the summer. We're going to move there for the summer and get a little, get a handle on it. But this farm is, man, it is something else. It's called the Bromley Hishinuma Koyazuma Farm. Uh, we call it Bromley Farm. Website's historicbromleyfarm.com. But this started, uh, our partner was at another meeting talking about all the things that we do with grocery stores and bringing the local food movement together and kind of being a catalyst to help help bring all of these various uh, siloed portions Silo, of the of the yep. industry together. And he met a fellow by the name of Gary Wardle from the city of Brighton. And Gary said, you know what? I got something that you guys need to check out. We went out there, checked it out. Oh my gosh, this is this is awesome. It's everything that we wanted um, in Westminster that that still hasn't quite worked out yet, but hopefully one day. And uh, this is out in Brighton, and it was amazing. They spent three and a half million dollars purchasing the property, renovating the property, and this this place is amazing. I mean. It is so fantastic. It's isn't a it? nine point six acre historic farm. Yeah. That was the farmhouse was built in eighteen eighty three. Yeah. And the city, the county, and the state all pitched in, yeah. Pitched in to, to make it happen. Renovate the farmhouses, the barn, and create a to save this farm, basically. So we worked with them to come up with a plan for what's gonna be used on the 
uh, how the farm is going to be used. And so we responded to an RFP, a request for proposal, um, and they selected us. And what we said we were going to do was have an incubator and accelerator on the property. We're going to have a working farm. We're going to create a, what do you call the uh, the office space, shared office space? What do you call that? Co-working space. Yeah, co-working space. And then... As well as... Um rented offices that specific rented offices yeah full offices private yeah full yeah. private offices um we're working with education out there and talk about education that's your that's your baby yeah so there's there's two spokes to education one is just for the general public um doing like homesteading classes from learning how to cultivate lavender or bees or and, and work with bees also maybe make bread how to make soap um, just those kind of old arts that that people want to learn about again so we're gonna have we have those classes out there for all ages um, and then also for our fall festival, which we'll talk about more. We really focus on the younger kids and just teaching them like finger knitting or where- Also known as rope making. Rope making. <laughs> um, and, or grinding grain so they can see like where where flour comes from. from or roping grain, a steer. Or roping a steer. It's just some fun things like that for the younger kids too. Yeah. And now the farm is becoming an experiential farm for the local high schools. And FFA. And the FFA. You know, every time I say FFA, I think of the Dixie Chicks. Yeah. Both members of the FF <laughs> or 4-H club, both. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So the local FFA, they are going to start um, keeping their animals out there and growing some ancient grains this year to take to the fair as well as the animals taking them to the fair and so any proceeds from that will will just refund their can program you imagine how cool year. that would have been when you were in high school to just you, it's not only a field trip it's a field trip once a week to a really cool place and you get your you get to get your hands dirty and i mean we, we were out there the first time with these kids and they were so excited it, it was and i was i was jealous it was also funny to watch the kids act like high school kids because i hadn't been around <laughs> high school kids in, in quite some time but it was uh it was fun and funny to watch these these kids do it. But could you imagine, like, how cool? I mean, heck, I might have been a farmer a lot quicker, especially if I knew that there was a possibility of getting a once-a-week field trip out of it. Right. <laughs> Where they get to drive themselves to it. Oh, man. We didn't even get to leave high school. If you left, you were, man, you were in a lot of trouble. Anyway, sorry, I digress. I digress. So. Talk about glory days. It's. <laughs> Song number two. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so they're gonna next year they're gonna plant the whole garden like a two acre garden and some of the kids are gonna build a farm stand and they, so they can sell straight from the straight out of the farm and all these proceeds are gonna go back to their program which is amazing and my goal with all these kids they, this they're part of the agriculture program but within the high which we school we didn't even know existed we didn't um but within the high school there's this whole push to get kids ready for jobs right right out of high school and you don't have to go to college two years great and so they have these programs there's like the hospitality 
department, there's the business department, there's computer sciences, and there's the trades. So creating... All ag-related, right? No. Oh, okay. And so creating a company, showing these high school kids how to create a company... And the hospitality, maybe it's a salsa company, and the hospitality kids are yeah, going to like purchase the tomatoes and the basil or the cilantro, and the onions or whatever, and um, the the computer science <laughs> kids are going to create the logo, and it'll be a fully integrated, fully integrated, company. create a whole business for them and and show them how maybe easy yet. Difficult it takes a lot of hard or, or work as time, well. Or you know, time, yeah. It's just a labor of love. Labor of love, yeah. Yeah. So that's what. That's did you ever start a company in high school? No. Did you? We did. Ours was called Can Huggers, and it was. Uh, Sounds like. It, it, it yeah. It was it was fun. We based it off of a character on In Living Color named Vera. Um, she was a, it was Jim Carrey and she was a uh, Romanian workout uh, instructor. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was pretty funny, but anyway, um, and it was, it was koozies, okay. but I think they may have glowed in the dark or, or something. It was a couple of high school friends uh, were on there, but it, it was actually fun. I, I learned a lot. I learned, you know, it was, it was just a, another step in the hustle line learn yeah to learn to early learn. on a side hustle side hustle i also so, had another business i was explaining this yesterday what um i used to sell blow pops the suckers with gum in the middle of yeah. them i sold those in fourth grade i had a ring of three or four kids that we worked with <laughs> at the school that i went to and uh it was frowned upon but sketchy man, I, yeah. it, well you know that was when sam's club was first coming out so you could get a hundred of them for ten dollars and then you would sell them for 50 cents <laughs> and uh you know you're buying them at 10 cents selling them at 50 i mean we were making 15 20 bucks a day and you know in fourth grade that was that was some good money you could get a nintendo game Local economy at its best. That's right. <laughs> but it was purchased from Costco. Yeah, which is Walmart. But we didn't you know. You mean that. Sam's, yeah. Oh yeah, Sam's. Costco didn't exist. And back then Walmart was by uh was by America. It was. Yeah, the owner was still alive. Yeah. The owner that is rolling in his grave still. So anyway, um wow. That was fun. So, yeah, so that's a little bit about the education. Um, let's talk a little bit about... Weddings. I'm interrupting you because I want you to talk about weddings. Yeah, so we had our first wedding out at the farm last amazing. year. Amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. And we were featured in Rocky Mountain Bride in December for their holiday edition. And so we're just trying to book weddings out there. We should there. put some uh, a link to we'll, some of those in we'll the show notes. We'll put that in the that show was, notes. That was sure. really cool. It was really cool. And yeah, I mean, it's a great place to you you know you rent the whole property for the day. You can set up the reception area wherever you want on the property. Usually, the ceremony takes place in front of the barn, and we have these old um, church pews, which are really cool to use. It's just really neat because there's there's destination weddings, and a lot of times you got to travel two or three hours, and then you got you know by plane, and then drive another hour. Uh, and this is 25 minutes away from the city, 
And I mean, it is, again, uh, we'll put a link also to the website so you can see pictures of the farm and all that good stuff. But there is, uh, there's some really, it's just gorgeous out there. Um, yeah, it was, it yeah. was really neat. It, Mountain views and. Yeah. And farm. And yeah. this year, so I'm going into something else. We, yeah. Um, an acre and a half of lavender is being planted. So oh, one, yeah. so this is one of our, um, accelerator companies. There's a lavender farmer and she needed um, to find a, a good piece of land, and she's planting 1,400 lavender plants out there this year. And so that's she's our first true accelerator. Yeah, that's actually a farmer, not not just a shelf stable food right. company, but an actual farmer. Right, and we were able to help her find cheap land. Yep. Yeah. And so that will make the weddings even more beautiful with all that lavender out there. We'll throw a lavender fest in her Yeah, honor, there'll we? be a lavender fest <laughs> at some point, I'm sure. And the way that we get this all done, uh, it's a lot of stuff. Uh, we, we know. We, we sometimes don't know wh- which end of the candle is burning. Some you say burning at both ends. It's almost like we're just put in a vat of burning everything and the candles just melted. But we love it. It's it's a ton of fun, but I want to share with the 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 overriding theme. Um, one of the greatest things that we learned from our new partner is it's all about relationships. Well, we knew some of that before. We didn't used to like to give away anything. We wanted to, we wanted to do it all. And oh, if there's this idea that comes, we have to go and do it. Uh, somebody's going to steal your idea. And we realized that is just, it's not, you cannot do it all. And so this world, to be a part of this world, and I think this goes well beyond local food. I think this goes into, this is kind of our local economy conversation. You've got to make good relationships and you've got to find people that are really good at what they do. People say that a lot, and this took me a long time, so I'm gonna talk about this for a second. Okay. They say, oh, you gotta find somebody that's really good. And to me, whenever I heard that, when I first started thinking, like, how am I gonna to afford to hire somebody? I'm not even paying myself enough money to get by right now. How am I gonna to afford to pay somebody else to do this? And that, that's not the point. What it is, is find a specific portion of your, of, of your company or your, your process, whatever it is that you do, and then bring on a partner uh, that doesn't have to be an equity partner that you're giving part of your company away from. You just bring somebody that that's what they do and either they you hire them, you give them a portion of your company, or you just say, hey, this is a really good idea. I want you to go out and create this and then, and then find a strategic partnership with them. And so there's the next one is strategic partners. And we had heard this term. I remember writing our first business plan for one of our early companies. And I read the term strategic partner. And then I looked up the definition of strategic partner. And then I talked to some other people. I had no idea. After all that research and time spent, I have no idea what a strategic partner is or was. Now, I think I have a pretty good idea of what a strategic partner is. Definitely. And we've formed strategic partnerships with the county the state, uh, smaller businesses, businesses that are way bigger than us, businesses that are smaller than us, uh, sponsorships that you get. And what I used to think of partnerships is that, oh, that means that you are somehow going into a financial endeavor together. But man, like with the county, 
that we're not looking for them to just give us money but they may give you notoriety they may they may tell some other people about you it's it's about getting people to coalesce around your idea and to be people that are out there advocating on your behalf and on on behalf of your idea and so that's been a really really neat experience i know that my wife and i we do we go out we find different strategic partners um you want to talk some about some of your strategic partners <laughs> he's he's like showing me that i'm drinking right now what are my strategic partners you mean going to networking and stuff I'm like that i'm showing you that i need water oh i just talked so many words in a row that i am, I am so thirsty <laughs> you're like go have a drink <laughs> you're talking about my drinking partners which i don't have so <laughs> you do on tuesdays once a month yeah <laughs> so yeah some of the strategic partners that you've that you've found you know you you've got a guy that you're talking to tomorrow yes so a veteran farmer he's just finished a veterans to farmers program with the botanic gardens and he wants to have some land to farm he's looking for some land and he also wants to do classes so he's an expert at herb herbs and um, how to turn herbs into cooking and things and soap making and tons of homesteading classes like I was talking about earlier. So hopefully we can find a plot of land for him um, and he can do it economically. He can grow it and then we have outlets for him to sell it and at that point he can pay for his water and, and stuff like that. So so a big part of this local, these small companies is that they don't have this cash up front. But w if we can work with them and help them f find financing for upfront or say, look, we have the sales outlet for you um, so you can grow stuff and then you're going to pay us on the back end. It's a really good option for these small companies. So, so anyways. We provide them a platform to exactly. become... To part of what we do exactly so and then they help us too they totally. offer all these classes i mean they, they they become like a strategic partner right and and spread the word yeah and and it's it's a two-way street that's that i guess that's the way to say what a strategic partnership is it's something beyond money that's a two-way street where both parties are benefiting uh it's cool we, we, it's been a really neat education, all every single aspect of it. All right, we ready to move to the next topic, or do you you have some more that you want to say about strategic partners? No, I was just going to say a little bit more about. Um, so another way the farm is operating is by renting the private office space, but then also in the in some of the bedrooms of the main house, but also in the main floor of the house. It's just a big open space with a big conference room. So we're using that as co-working space for people to come. They can work there every day on a farm, but just not keep their stuff there. Yeah, because how cool is it to drive down the driveway of every the farm time. and say, this is where I work. And, that, awesome. and we're saying that we want other people to be able to experience that. And then, Whether, you know, you can go garden while you're out there, too, while you're just yeah, pick some thinking weeds for us. in your, yeah, in your head. Yes. Listening to podcasts. 
But it's beyond just local food people. It's the graphic artist. It's the lawyer who wants to come out and meet in the conference room with clients. It's it's essentially Starbucks without the coffee. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a good way of saying it. So come on out. <laughs> yeah. Um, we just completed the first year of the farm. It was incredible it was awesome it was the most work we've ever 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 done in our life and i learned so much yeah it's funny as an entrepreneur to say like i just want a day where i did like the same thing i did yesterday (laughs) i know a little monotony would have been nice this past year but it wasn't and yeah (laughs) learned a ton yeah, we we used to say uh, we've got we wanted to get out of our nine to five jobs that were the same every day because we said we need a challenge and uh, you know especially one of the things you would say is that this is soul sucking and mind numbing mind numbing yes. going into your gray cubicle is that carpeted yes. wall cubicle as an accountant nonetheless yeah. not even like yeah creative yeah <laughs> and so doing the same thing and we we just said oh we got, we can't this is the you know uh, i remember when i worked for the state i said it just feels like i'm passing time till i die doing the exact same thing over and over and over and then now we long for not every day but it would be nice sometimes just to just times. have two days in a row kind of be the same <laughs> thing and that's not just you know, another business plan with a deadline or something like that. Right. Yeah. Not, yeah. But the first year on the farm, man, was it, it was, it was, I mean, a whole new education. I know I've used that word a lot, but God was it. I mean, we didn't, we didn't stop learning. We still haven't stopped learning. And remember when we spoke with the city, we came to them with this grand plan. We are going to do all of these things. I mean, we were, gonna change the world in six months you know yeah (laughs) and make it better for every single human on planet earth in six months we had the plan to do it but um (laughs) luckily the guy that uh that took our plan looked at us and smiled and said oh that's that's nice you know it it takes a while this is our first year this was just a learning year don't worry about it guys oh it might be a learning year to you but we're gonna get all this done this is happening well as you can tell by my tone, and it didn't quite work out exactly like I thought, but it worked out exactly like the guy from the city thought. And um, learning, well, go we ahead. got everything done. Maybe just one wedding and one farm-to-table <laughs> dinner, right? And yeah, we had some grand plans that we said, "Oh, this isn't just year one. This is a five-year plan now." <laughs> right. And. Uh, so maybe think about that when you're when you're working on a on a plan or you you're telling people that because a lot of times they expect that it's going to take longer than you think it is, um, but it doesn't matter. It just made it to where it was every day was different, and I mean we hired employees for the first time. That yes. was an experience. Yes, uh, drafting drafting employment contracts. contracts. Um, we really had to dive in and know insurance. I mean, I've worked with yes. insurance companies and we've had, but man, never for that. You, you know, we had, uh, we had, we wanted to call it a obstacle course slash playground. 
And do you remember what the insurance company called it? It was something like death falls from the sky onto every human that touches this. It was yes. something, you know, and it's just going to cost you a million dollars per day for it. I mean, I know I'm exaggerating, but it was it was in the insurance companies. There's this book. There's this book that I read back a, a while ago, and it was called Getting to Yes. And it's about how you find all of the ways to get two parties to agree to something. I swear to God, insurance agents and insurance companies, they read a book called Getting to Know. Getting and they want to, you want to ask them a question, they're going to find a way to tell you no. So best. Well, but we found someone to say yes. Well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for the city partners. Yes. But, uh, you know, and we learned about, we learned about partnerships. We learned about trust with people. We learned about who's good to work with, who's not good to work with, like all kinds of uh, you know, different vendor uh, vendor issues, or I guess subcontractor issues, and we learned about watering ten acres. Oh my oh, goodness! My yeah, goodness. that's watering expensive. The city folks. water, yeah, <laughs> it is expensive. We had a three and a half acre corn maze. Yep. So we learned how that works. Yeah. Did you guys know they actually plant the corn in the shape of the maze? You don't just plant a field and then come out and, and go cut through it. and cut it. With your crop cycle in it, your crop. It's like GPS on the tractor. They actually had to plant it twice. Yeah, the first time the GPS didn't work. Because every time he took a left, <laughs> it recalculated by six feet, so everything was. But anyway, it's really cool. We made it through it. We we did, we did. We had, oh, and wind. Yeah, we had really tall, skinny corn, and we came out there one day. This was this was actually. One of the toughest things that I yeah, think I've ever disheartening. ever done professionally. Um, we came out there and there had our corn was planted so late, still got really tall, had an amazing corn maze, really it worked out beautifully, but it was still green later in the season because we were pushing it and making it grow, making it grow, and then the snow came. And the snow, what did that take a day for it to kill all of the leaves on the on the corn? Which was fine. Yeah. But then the wind came. But then the wind came. And because our corn wasn't planted early enough, it was, you know, they were kind of, uh, their circumference was. And there was areas, I, I mean, I don't know, a thousand square feet areas throughout the corn maze that were just completely knocked over to the ground. And what did we do? <laughs> so we went through and oh picked up every single stalk and, and pushed it, it back into the ground <laughs> for the corn maze. And by the end, I of guess the we did the same thing for a couple of days. Then, yeah, <laughs> just was <laughs> and it was kind of rewarding. It was <laughs> instant gratification once you got stood back up. Um, and then you know another windstorm would come, <laughs> yes. knock over what you did, and then more. And so. Uh, I think by the end, we probably ended up standing up about 75% of every stalk of corn out there on three acres of property. Yeah. That was... Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Plant your corn on time. So, so many lessons. Yeah. I just, I just don't want to learn so many lessons this year. Yeah, I know. I know I always will, but... I need like a little break, a little. Like, I want to learn the lesson of how to deal with three thousand customers a day. Yeah, that would be a great lesson. Yeah, to let's learn. deal with that one. That'll be a, <laughs> that'll be a really nice one to have. Um, what are some other cool things that we've learned about the farm? You know, we've already talked about strategic partners partnerships, but we've learned that 
they're not just for one specific purpose. Your strategic partnership can evolve into into other, you know, into other endeavors. And what I mean by that is think of how much of a strategic partner the city of Brighton is to us. I mean, they're there for, they get tired, I think, of hearing me say how much we like, <laughs> how much they help us, but they are there at every turn. They're there. They are invested in the success of that farm. And it's just, it's neat to find people like that. And they have the answers. I mean, we right. keep calling it the farm, but we haven't talked about the actual farming that happened. Oh, yeah. Like, you mean learned, of growing crops? Yeah, of actually yeah. <laughs> growing produce, which we learned that we don't really have the time for that, which is why the FFA is going to grow the acre and a half garden. And yeah. now we have a lavender farmer and hopefully another farmer soon. So, so we learned about goat heads. Oh. Coat heads are horrible. Those are the guys. worst things. I think uh, they've got mesquite down in Texas, but not, you can. And it's not real goats. This is a weed. Yeah, they've got mesquite with two-inch needles down in Texas, but you can see that coming from a hundred yards away. A goat head, you're just moving along, weeding, and then all of a sudden, it's like a knife has jammed into your finger or your hand, and then it'll hurt for like four days. Yeah, our dog doesn't even run through the grass out there anymore. He's yeah, he so stands and is like, pick me up. on the concrete and the gravel paths. He's yeah. so scared of the goat heads. <laughs> he knows, but he learned, didn't he? And our tires, every oh, tire yeah. on everything that yeah. was out there. We learned about the goop that goes inside of the tires so it can withstand goat heads. Didn't know anything about that. I was driving yeah. uh, I was driving your dad's truck out there one day and I just acted like I was going to drive through one and man he freaked out. <laughs> he thought it, all four of his tires of his truck were just going to fall off if I drove through there. <laughs> so I loved doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we do lots of historic tours out at the farm as well. Yeah. So the Brom, some Bromleys that are descendants. The Ken and Llewellyn. Ken and Llewellyn. They are do rock star. We, yep. They do tours. We do them volunteers. once a month right now. Like usually the third Saturday. You can check out our website. Or the second Saturday. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and we're actually going to change it to Sunday. And then we do teas. We do some historic teas out there three times a year too, which are really fun. Yeah, the first one was really cool. Yes, it, it was. Uh, it was a neat. We worked with a uh, small caterer and had some great tea, and it was a holiday high tea. Yeah. And then the next one we did. Um, the next one is going to be a super high tea. Yes. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I've got my pinky out as I'm drinking. It's going to be a high tea the same day as the royal wedding. Yes. Prince Harry gets married. Who's he married? Someone from America? <laughs> he is, some actress. She is some actress. I don't Yeah. She, she's a pretty lady. Um, so, but we'll have to know that before we do the uh, royal tea. We'll have to know her name. I know she was on a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. My grandma was so into the royals back in the day. I never quite understood that. But hey, come out and celebrate their wedding at a tea. It'll be fun. Yeah. Maybe we'll fly, fly a British flag out there that day. Okay. So. Oh, Bromley was a Brit. So there we go. Okay. Yeah. Right. 
<laughs> so... What tell are our future us. plans? Okay. Do you want to talk about that? No. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go what ahead. were you going to say? I was going to say, tell me about some of your favorite tools. Oh, my favorite tools. So my favorite tools, when I say this, I'm not talking about a hoe or a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that really? one. That's it was the one the, you started I with? had to say it. I mean, it's, you know, if you're talking about tools, that's the first one. Always makes me laugh. A wheelbarrow. Yeah. We'll call that a vehicle. <laughs> Um, so when I'm talking about the tools, uh, I wasn't really talking about farm tools. I'm talking about some of the tools that I use on a, on a daily basis um, that make my life easier. I just think they're cool, so I just want to share them with you. I've got this new notebook. It is, it is an Everlast notebook, and it's reusable. It goes back to our environmental discussion at the beginning. Definitely. So you write in it. And you have to, you know, you get this this cool pen that writes in it. An actual, a, 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 a pen that's actually erasable. Yes. Um, I love it. I, I think it's really neat. Um, what, some of the other tools that we use out there. What? Nothing. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell us more about it. But it's just neat. Well, you want me neat. to tell you about it? <laughs> it's neat and you it's love it. It's super cool. Um, <laughs> cool. You know, it's unlined. <laughs> Smells like new shoes. Is that good for you? Okay. <laughs> Look it up online, guys. Well, no. It, <laughs> what's great about it is I have reduced. Uh, okay, I have reduced the amount of of notebooks that I carry around. Oh yes, talk about that. Because like we all we it's take neat. a notebook <laughs> to every meeting and we like write a page. For every meeting, and you never look at it again, right? right. So, oh. so this helps you get away from that. Oh this yeah, because you, you can take pictures like... of the pages, and it goes and it sends it directly into a oh, file. Okay, there we go. By a demarcation on the bottom of it that has exactly which <laughs> file it's supposed to go into. Yeah, that's right. So you like sync that's it. That's why I like so it. You sync it. Yeah, and then you always have your notes. Okay, cool. <laughs> but do you actually use them? Like, yes. okay, so it becomes usable notes it becomes usable notes and then they're organized by your topics and then they you know because everything is in within a certain file you actually can go back and review your notes awesome okay it is awesome <laughs> really neat okay so, <laughs> no no you tell us about a tool since i got put on the spot oh, i want to hear your so favorite i'm tool. also a mom so i have all these ideas of tools i would like to use but they don't get used so i just live vicariously through your tools <laughs> Like, you mean Nate, like, did you meditate today? Nate, did you get to write in your notebook today? <laughs> <laughs> I was cooking dinner for an hour. You've got a lot of dinner tools. I do. <laughs> They're pretty yeah. cool dinner tools. <laughs> what, what is I think Pampered Chef lives in our house, doesn't she? <laughs> Thank God for those tools. We eat so well here. Man. Yeah, so... <laughs> I know a cool tool that you wanted to invent. What? Snake boots. Oh, yeah. I have an extreme fear of snakes. <laughs> um, it's a problem. It's like a, it is a problem. It would like it's like I would leave my child trapped in a cage with a snake because I would run away because I was so scared that I couldn't think. <laughs> right. 
better. <laughs> you would take that snake and snap <laughs> no, its neck. I don't think I would. <laughs> so, okay. So what are you going to do to avoid that on your long hikes where you're petrified, especially if yeah, there's so, one sign that says snakes may be within a hundred miles. Yeah. So just wear boots. I found out that in the old days, people just wore boots. I know it seems to make sense, but I just never knew that. Right. Everyone out here in Colorado just like wears flip flops all the time. So and wear boots and wear like shin guards. Although <laughs> I looked up if there was like snake guards and there are. Oh, there are. Uh, yeah. So somebody already invented like a long time ago. It's no, it's not a new uh, thing. I just need to invest in them and then I'll walk outside more. <laughs> Some other tools that I think are neat. Um, there is. Will you meditate every day? Yeah, that's true. That helps. Use Headspace. Um, Oh, yeah, that's a neat little app that we use. And the reason we're talking about this is because we, this is some of the things we want to share with you guys. What do we, what do we, what do we do to stay organized or to, to keep going in what we're doing? And some of these things are, they're really, really helpful. I'm looking for the little elephants Evernote. So this is really cool. So Evernote, essentially you can, uh, it's got to go back to the notebook type thing. But, you know, when you find a website that you like and you want to be able to come back to it, nobody uses their bookmarks. I mean, I guess some people use their bookmarks. I don't use my bookmarks. And how are you going to use your bookmarks on the phone and your computer if they're not all synced? But Evernote goes on everything and you can you can sync up all of your notes, find great, you can highlight certain sections and it just takes that and it'll convert it to a PDF and then it's accessible wherever you go. I, I love it. I think that that's really cool. And then the coolest new one that I found, the coolest new tool. I am, um, I'm pretty adept at what's going on in the world. I think a little too much. I think I know you know, who was senator of West Virginia and Florida and what their conversation was six months ago and why that's impact. So I read a lot of news and then I started reading too much news. And then I I decided that I had to get rid of the Apple news app um, because it was it was my I know a lot of people spend time on Facebook, don't they, Kim? Sometimes. (laughs) Or Instagram. Or Instagram or any of those. Um, My time sync was uh was was news and i found this new thing called flipboard and so it's cool because you can you can say what news topics you want to follow and so for example i have food security workouts healthy living sustainability mindfulness green living self-improvement writing local news local economies sustainable agriculture it has all of those topics So instead of reading, you know, about what Stormy's up to these days, Stormy and Donnie are up to, you can actually read about (laughs) news that actually impacts your life and that you can use. uh, And it's easy to format and all that good stuff. So I like that. That's one of my time sinks that I can now avoid with uh, just getting to the points that I want to read about. Um, Those are tools for today. Okay. We'll talk a lot about tools. We'll actually have a guy on quite often. His name's Ben, and Ben uh, Ben's our technology guy. Um, he is incredibly helpful with helping us. 
websites or any of the various things that we we need technology assistance with and he's going to talk about tech and ag um, and where they collide and uh, I, th- that's my yeah. last on tools and sometimes we'll have a segment on health as well yeah for your health for your health <laughs> by toby <laughs> do you remember the name of that show Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric. Yeah, yeah, the Tim and Eric show. They had a guy that always came on and told some silly joke, and then he said, all right, for for health. <laughs> so I think Tobe's going to do that for us. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up today with um, where we see the movement going. And we, we have worked in the past with a, a gentleman by the name of Michael Brownlee. And I think he has got one of the neatest quotes about this. And you hear local food movement, local food movement. It's this. And um, I saw him talk, I don't know, a year, two years ago, something like that. Anyway, and he said it's no longer a movement. It's now a local food revolution. And I think he's right. I think we have moved beyond a movement to something that is is so mainstream that it's changing the way that people do things. I mean, when you see Kroger, King Super, and Walmart having a local food uh, focus, you know that it's not just for foodies at Whole Foods. People care about their health. So... It, it's neat to see that the movement isn't just incrementally going into the future. It's it's there and people are embracing it. And it's it means a lot more than than just local food to me. To me, local food involves all of those topics I just told you about on my news. Sustainability. Um, I, I think one of the big topics we'll talk about uh, in the coming years very few coming years in the next two or three years is food security with water shortages. I mean, there is, there is a Cape, I think it's Cape town, South Africa ran out of water. I mean, it's a big city. I mean, you know, how many, you know, Johannesburg and Cape town name one other city from South Africa. Right. So, and one of those two just ran out of water. And the environmental impact of that is huge because now they're just shipping in bottled water yeah well the people they have to survive so yeah i mean they ran out of what we haven't had that yet so i think that's that's incredible and so uh food security i think is is where i see the movement going definitely food security and and you start at it within your own community and making sure that there are small farmers and not just big farmers that ship out of state but you know, you got to support the guys that are right here. I think you have some good insight too about the uh, shop local um, as far as, uh, you know, going away from the big box stores and what you're seeing like in Old Town Arvada or downtown Denver. Um, I mean, shopping local is huge. I think it's surpassing organic. There's, there's, the move, the organic movement was a lot of people that were conscious and aware of eating good food. But now I think they've come to realize it's more about supporting it. It's more important to support their local economy and not just buy the organic yogurt from a giant grocery store that was using milk from Australia. Um, right. Cause 
that that's that's not the goal the goal is to support your community and that's why there's lots of smaller grocery stores popping up and it's super hard to go to have to shop at five grocery stores um i know maybe we'll come up with a technology solution but yeah there's got to be something better out there but for now that's the answer so and it's beyond food it's it's local economies people are localizing their thoughts their their shopping patterns um you know big box stores they're still they're still here you know we see dick sporting goods we love that <laughs> i mean you see things like that um but you you know the shopping malls they're dying they're dying the for shopping sure. malls are dying uh giant the giant box stores they're they're just they're going away or they're they're starting to merge with each with each other to survive a lot of stuff's going online as well but there is never i i don't think that there's ever going to be a time in history where people don't want to at least touch something before they go out and before they buy it all. I don't think that anybody will go 100% shopping online. They may do 100% purchasing, but I don't think shopping. And then I think with food, you, you, you want to shake the hand that feeds you. You know, yeah. you want to get out to the farm. It's fun. Learn, learn the stories of the farmer, learn how they're growing it. Cause most likely these, these local farmers, they're growing organically. They just don't have a certification and they don't have the money to spend on a certification. But if you're invested in knowing who they are and seeing where your food comes from, it's just gonna, it's just gonna grow. Yeah. And we, we've, we've watched some big changes and we're going to watch more changes take place. And we hope that as that movement grows or that revolution continues to grow, that you tune in, stick with us (laughs) (laughs) and share, you come to our table and share with us. And, uh, yeah, thank you for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, thank you, Kate and Mike with Morrow Media. And, and you can check out like all the tools we talked about, books we talked about on our show notes at edibleeconomy.com. Yeah, all the websites, yes. all the various things. And shop local. Shop, shop local. at your farmer's market. Thank you and have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you.